So hi again from um, me, David, John. I'm here again to introduce you to the Squadcast podcast from London voice agents, Voice Squad. I'll be interviewing people from all over the industry, but mainly people involved with Voice Squad. And this week I'm talking to Voice Squad actor and voice artist, David Rintoul. David is a hugely experienced theatrical actor and television and film, as well as a voice actor. Got a few credits here. Correct me if I've got anything wrong, David. We've got Mr. Darcy in the 1980 adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, Eris Targaryen in Game of Thrones, um, some voice stuff. He's done a lot of work in Peppa Pig, I believe. Yes. And of course, many, many audiobooks. And these days, doing a lot of work in the games industry, which is a, a growing part of our industry and very interesting part for us as actors. So we'll be talking about that. Says here you were in Warhammer, Vermintide, and Pillars of the Earth. Among others, yep. Great. So welcome, David. Thank you. We're going to start right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Acting. How did you get into it? When did you discover you wanted to be an actor? And how did it all start for you? No family connection, except one of my father's second cousins was a professional wrestler. So maybe that's where it came from. <laughs> uh, but I, as a kid, I used to write plays at school. I had a primary school teacher who encouraged me to write plays and to put them on and to act in them. And uh, then I joined a very good youth theatre group in Aberdeen, run by a wonderful woman, Catherine Hollingworth. She started off as an electrician, working for her. And then she eventually allowed me to play some of the odd part, and I got completely obsessed by it. Yeah. Did a couple of tellies um, as a teenager uh, through her. Went to university, not to be an actor. Um, enrolled for law. Was going to be a lawyer. Worked in a law office before I went. Thought, no, it's pointless going through this long training, but I'm not, my heart's not really in it. Didn't know what to do. Did philosophy, which was a bit of a joke. Wow. I, I was 17. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I knew I loved acting. And Edinburgh was the kind of place which didn't have a drums department, but was quite liberal. And, and that's the, the university. University of Edinburgh, yeah. yeah. This is a long time ago, uh, late 60s. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had two theatres, and they said, well, boys and girls, run them, to, to those of us in the drama society. So in three years, I directed six plays. I acted in 30. Fantastic. I wasn't a very good student of philosophy. <laughs> and towards the end of my second year, I suddenly decided, well, this is what I love doing. I wonder if I could make, make a living at it, audition mm -hmm. for drama schools, got into RADA, and that was it. That was it? Yeah. Wow. Everyone has such a different journey, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's getting yeah. that bug that you got right at the beginning completely of creating yeah. and writing. And, yeah, completely and, obsessed. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and that decision to be an actor was not so much as a, a career choice, but as a kind of, a, a, as a very deeply personal choice. Yeah. This is what I am. This is mm. who I am. Mm. I'm an actor. Mm. You know, I don't want to sound pretentious, but that's, well, that's, that's, that's what I felt like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, the thing that's interesting as well is that I don't know about you, but I had that same feeling. It was, well, no one can make a living doing that, coming from your way. Yeah, your absolutely. You know, so you have to kind of battle through that yep, as well, don't you? you? Yeah. yeah. So um, you then left RADA, had lots yep. of different kind of work, theatre, film and telly, I imagine. I was lucky. I was lucky. Um, I got um, a lead in um, a TV series, for, again from BBC Scotland. Um, it was Robert Louis Stevenson's last novel called Weir of Hermiston, which is about a father and son conflict. And as it happened, most of my Scottish contemporaries were what used to be called character men rather than young leading men. Right. So I got the part of Archie Weir, and it was a wonderful part, playing opposite the great Tom Fleming, who's playing my father, who I worked with quite a lot after that. 
and a, a fantastic Scottish cast. And this is about four months out of drama school, so I was a really fantastic. lucky break. And that, that got me into TV, both in Scotland and down here in London. And at the same time, roughly, I joined a joint stock theatre company, which is Bill Gaskell, Max Stafford-Clark. Legendary. Working yeah. with people like David Hare and Carol Churchill and Howard Brenton when they were very young. Um, and I stayed with them for eight years on and off. Um, wow. So I'd have, I'd a lot of luck early on in my career, which is kind of well, necessary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, luck yeah. is necessary, but then you have to, you know, take those opportunities, I guess. And working with those people, what, what a fantastic yeah, kind of it was good. It in, was introduction good. to the industry. So were you at that point ever considering or working in voice at all, or was that something late that came later? Not really. I mean, I mean, I did, I did some radio early on, um, mainly in Scotland. Um, oh, that's kind of radio drama. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember. I remember when I was when I was a teenager. Um, I bought a series of Shakespeare recordings by, you know, the greats like Woolfit and Paul Schofield and uh, Gilgood and so on. Yeah. And I used to, up in my room, and I'd forgotten all about this, but I had a little tape recorder, and I used to tape myself doing Shakespeare speeches. I must have been 15, 16. And it was a weird thing for a 15 or 16-year-old boy to do, but, but I suppose it was there. Um, that's the actor. That's the actor. There. He was there at 15, yeah. I mean, how all this started, how all this, um, how the audiobook started was, Marilyn Emery, who's a wonderful radio producer, she did her first production ever, um, and I was in the cast, and it was my first radio production ever. And on one occasion, I was doing recording a Walter Scott novel. Um, I mean, as a drama rather than as a, as a narrator. Yeah. Being in it, and we were having a drink afterwards, and she said, "I've, I've had a funny day." She said, I've, "I've just been talking to the Ian Fleming estate and asking if the solo recording radio rights were available for any of the James Bond novels." And they said, "No. What do you want?" And she said, "Oh, oh, right. I'll have Goldfinger and From Russia with Love." And they said, fine, you've got it. Wow. Um, and there was a, a slot then, this, I'm talking about the 80s, there was a slot then, uh, story time, I think it was called, at quarter to five to five o'clock. And that's Radio 4, Radio was it? 4, yeah yeah, 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 a solo reading slot. And she said, well, I've, I've asked Sean Connery's agent, and he says, no, not interested. She, I do not know who to ask. And I was sitting there having a drink with her, and I kept completely <laughs> stumming. I didn't say, didn't say a word. But 20 minutes later, she said, ah, David, do you want to do that? <laughs> I said, I'd love to do them. Of course I would. So I did the two things. Um, I was able to be in a, I was in a chat show with Alan Titchmarsh, uh, with uh, Honor Blackman. And I was able to say, do you realise, Honor, that you and I are the only two people in the world ever to have played Pussy Galore? <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, so, brilliant. So after that, I, so I did these two. and um, So that was for radio, not was for as radio, audio Not books. as audio books. Right, but yeah, then yeah. Shivers Press, as was, uh, who were up in Finchley, um, said well look do you want to do what turned out to be do you want to do all the James Bond books and that th those are the first audio books I ever did which wow. was a fantastic start yeah. and that was in 1983 um, and so I've since then I've done about 250 audio books incredible um, I mean, it's been a large part of my career and a great joy I mean I absolutely love it mm. yeah. yeah and I guess at that period the early 80s it was growing it was great. I mean, I mean, I mean nothing to what it is now. Nothing like it. Nothing the beginning, like. wasn't it? Yeah, and I mean, I mean, people. Were, I think technically, people were actually literally cutting it with a razor blade mm. and, 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 and stitching the tape together. I mean, yeah. like that. Yeah. And of course, it was issued on um, as cassettes. On cassette. Um, yeah. yeah. But so that was the start. And with this downloadable thing now, it's just completely, oh, completely exploded. Different. Yeah. Completely yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, 
you say you get great joy from audio voices. That that's one of your favourite audio jobs. Or I think it is. I mean, yeah. well, it's it's, it's, it's it's hard work. It's hard, but, very hard. But work. a good book, I guess, is a yeah. Is a great I, I, guess, I think I've been lucky with the books I've got. Uh, I, I've been asked to read. I mean, you know, I, you, you do your fair share of stuff that you think this is maybe not something I normally um, enjoy reading just for myself. But yeah. actually, not many of these. Uh, most of the stuff I've had to read, I've been really interested in, and, it, mm. and also it gives you it, it, it gives you books to read. Um, you know, it introduces you, may you to not books read. that, that yeah. I might not otherwise. Yeah, um, and of course, as a reader, it's that thing: if the book is well written, even mm. if it's not something that you may read, it's still a pleasure to read it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It it also depends on genre as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I've read some very good um, history books, for example. And they're difficult because there isn't a story as such. It's a succession of, of facts um, and you're not quite as engaged in it. It's, it's much more of a, a job of work. Mm. Um, still enjoyable, but I mean, I suppose what, you, what I enjoy most about it is that good old-fashioned thing of storytelling, you know, mm. which goes back centuries. And that's the skill of, of it, doing a history book, is you, you have to tell the story so people are engaged and listen to you. Yes, in as much as you can with an yeah. academic book. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So uh, let's talk about games yeah. because um, you've been doing a lot of work in computer games. Again, something that's exploded in the last, would you say, five, ten years maybe? I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. It's just incredible. Now. And um, you've done a lot of work. So how do you find working on computer games? Well, I enjoy, uh, again, I enjoy it. This, this uh, I mean, this has happened through Neil and Boy Squad. Yeah. Um, I, because I, ha I have a kind of, what I call conventional agent as well. I do I do film and TV and theatrical uh, agent, through yeah. that. Yeah. But um, I've, I've I've benefited hugely from working with Neil and Boy Squad because he's introduced me to all kinds of different things, like video games. And well, they're they're very high energy. Mm. They tend to be very high mm. energy. I I tend to get rather high energy characters. I've uh, I've. I, I, I specialise in dwarves. I, 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 one of my very regular characters is a Yorkshire dwarf, but I've also done my share of Scottish dwarves right. as well, and all sorts. And I suppose what, what I enjoy, um, one of the things I enjoy, is you don't know really what you're going to come up against. You know, you, you, you'll get the call for this video game and you say, what are the characters? And you may, you may be told about the characters beforehand, or you may not. I mean, sometimes you just turn up. And there is an image on the screen. Mm. What do you think this character might sound like? And you go, oh, well, um, what about this? What about this? What about this? And you've got to work quite quickly yeah. to, to find a voice, an appropriate voice for that image. Um, but if everyone agrees it's that, that's a good voice, off you go. So it's very much in the moment. Um, and I enjoy that about it. Yeah, so that's kind of using all the old skills that you get from theatre, isn't it? I mean, bringing the acting skills and having to work quickly. I guess it is. I mean, I mean, I never thought that I'd reach my great age and be a kind of minor bird actor. <laughs> <laughs> and, and indeed, I'm not a great mimic. I'm not, mm. I'm, you know, I, I mean, I can, I can, if you give me a voice, I can do an approximation of it. But mimicry is a real separate skill, which skill, I don't possess. It? Yeah. But yeah. what what I can do, I guess, is is invent voices and come up with the voices that amuse me or excite me, um, and you know do that. Yeah, and yeah. that's all about making the character believable for the guy. I mean, yeah. The players now demand good performances from their characters, yeah. or they don't believe it. Well, do I they? think so. That's right. I mean, that's I mean, what's the changed, play, I think. Yeah, the player. Well, the, the the player enters into the imaginative world of the game, mm. and and you as a performer. Sort of, that's your job is also to enter into the imaginative world of the game, 
so that you take the player along with you and, mm. and, and you both enter into that kind of that, that, that imaginative world. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so as it's growing, mm. obviously you're getting a lot of work. There are a lot of other people interested in getting this work. Mm-hmm. I mean, as well as what you've just said about the, the, the way you have to quickly think of a character and work on it mm. then and there, what other kind of advice could you give for, say, a young oh, actor coming in? Big advice, big advice. Yeah. Is very often at the end of a session, uh, or sometime during the session, will they, they say, "Can you do things like you have been stuck in, in the chest with a spear? How you have been thrown off a bridge? Scream! Yes, uh, all those general kind of things, combat noises, mm. roars as you go into battle." My strong advice to any other actor is to leave that to the end, because if you do it at the beginning of a session, you tend to rip your voice to bits. Yeah, um, and then. You, you don't have the access to the subtlety of, 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 of dialogue. Mm. So do all the dialogue first and then do your screaming and man falls off, bridge yeah. and spear through head. Very wise. <laughs> it's what we say with ADR as well, with the dub, yeah. you know, always do that stuff. Yeah, because right. you can't really cheat it. No. If you're dying and falling off somewhere with no. your throat cut, you have to scream as if you're dying yeah. and falling off, you know. And again, again, I mean, I mean, you, you fall back on theatrical um, theatre yeah, resources there. Technique. I mean, you use your diaphragm, you take the air, you yeah. try to take it off your throat, but inevitably, um, not inevitably, but, but usually I walk out of a video game session yeah. with a fairly tired voice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. The, uh, you've got to watch it uh, because quite often I do a lot of theatre. You know, if you've had a really hard day on on uh, on, on a video game, you you've got to watch it if you've got a, a big mm. show that night. You know. Yeah. So um, just popping back to audio books, mm. um, ha- have you got a particular technique for preparing? Because yes. d- different actors prepare in in slightly different ways. What, yeah. do, what do you generally do? Now it's now I use an iPad. I use yep. I mean, for years and years and years. I I, I used to. Um, ask the company to blow it up onto uh, double-sided A4, as it were. Um, I would mark up on the, each voice in a different coloured ink. Yeah. I would make my pronunciation lists, and then I'd research the pronunciation. When yep. I was in the studio, I would have this thing, the, the double A4, like a conveyor belt, so when I made a mistake, I'd shift it on. If I was on a run, you'd have to watch it because you're kind of leaning off the chair and mm. back, in, back into the mic to stay on mic. <laughs> But you know, you, I mean, on a page of A4, it's very seldom you get through that without making a mistake and, uh, and having to do it again. So now it's on iPad, um, and I, I, I use an app that I can underline and, and make notes. Yeah, I've stopped underlining each voice, um, laboriously, which I, which I could do with, a, with an electronic app, but actually, it's usually pretty obvious who's speaking. Yeah. Um, if it's really difficult, then I will underline, yeah. just to draw attention to who it is. But I still make the pronunciation list. So what I do is I'll make the pronunciation list, um, underlining in red um, each of the words I don't know, usually foreign words, yeah. but, but, yeah. but, but some obscure English words as well. I will then um, write them all out um, longhand on blank sheets of paper, and then I'll research it. And now sometimes I can research it on the just plain with a dictionary sometimes they use forvo or other pronunciation guides yeah forvo is good for some languages not so good for others it's good on german for example but you know etc but it, but usually i try and get it from the horse's mouth so i had a polish a lot of polish words and i went to justina who's in the agency who is polish recorded her but that's not the end of the process what 
once I've recorded her, I go back to my handwritten um, and against each word in red ink, I use my own particular kind of phonetics. Yes. Um, so there it all is in order. I give a copy to the person on the other side of the glass of both the written and the recorded um, version so they can check through as well. So it's quite a laborious process. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's 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 luck of the draw. Some books, some books, you you have a very very short pronunciation list, but others very very long pronunciation list. Uh, mm. I, I suppose my biggest was about was I did a Dorothy Dummett um, historical epic about uh, who the original Macbeth was, and it's an eight hundred and fifty uh, pages, and I think I had something like six hundred pronunciation queries in. Scots Gaelic, Irish Gaelic, Welsh Gaelic, uh, Gaelic, um, Old Norse, Icelandic, Faroese, you name it. Um, and so that was a huge piece of research. Um, but you know, you take that off with a smooth, and and it's an education. I it is, yeah, yeah. You know. It is sometimes hours and hours and hours oh, of preparing. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. often more than the actual recording yeah, of the book, yeah. isn't it? So, um, what we usually do is ask a few. Um, kind of quick fire questions yep. that we ask everybody. Okay. So just to get a picture of uh, what you feel about certain things. Yep. So just before we go, um, are you a cat person or a dog person? We've got a cat. I'm fond of both. Uh, dogs are more difficult to keep in a way. Cats, we have a neighbour who looks after our cat, Oscar. Does the cat sitting? Yeah. Good, good. Oscar, good name. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Favourite ice cream flavour? Ah, I'm rather fond of uh, vanilla and salted caramel. Uh, caramel. Very good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, here's a good one. What is your favourite movie of all time? Seven Samurai. Right. Uh, Seven. Well, I'd have to juggle, but I, I say that, and Les Enfants du Paradis right. as well. Yes, yes, but, yes. Yeah. Yeah, two okay. classy bits of work. Um, so last time you went to the theatre, what did you see? It was two nights ago, I went to see Ibsen's Rosmerholm. Um, and it was very, very good. It's a weird play. Ibsen is an extraordinary mm. writer. I've done. I've played Pierre Gint, and I've played Almush Nuttlaelf. But uh, he's very weird. But that was a good production. I enjoyed and where's it. that on? Duke of York. Duke of York. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. And now to London, where yeah. you've lived since. Since oh, sixteen. Wait a minute, sixty nine. Sixty nine, and was that yeah, coming yeah. down to Rada? To Rada. To Rada. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, what is your, now your favourite place in London? Goodness. Uh, it's a good question. Mm. I'll tell you what, the favourite place, the river. I love the Thames, and I'm lucky enough to live in Fulham. I can get the boat from Putney uh, Bridge the, uh, um, down to work. If I'm working in central London, I quite often Beautiful. take the boat into work, so I love the river. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and that covers a, an awful lot of London, of course. It does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, good. Great. Okay, David, thank you so much. Great pleasure. Very interesting talking to you. Yeah. Um, Next week, we'll be talking to Cobner Holbrook-Smith. He's a voice squad artist. He's gained a lot of attention for his work in movies recently. He was in Mary Poppins Returns and also Paddington 2. He's recently been working in the West End as Ike Turner in Tina, the musical, very successfully, award-winning, actually, won an award. Um, he's read a lot of audio books, um, in particular, the Rivers of London series, Rivers of London, there we are. Um, he'll be talking to us, you know, in more depth about his work in particular with audiobooks and also everything else he does. If you want to find out any more about Voice Squad or listen to any of the artists, listen to David's Reel or Cobner's Reel, then please visit voicesquad.com. Please check us out on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn.
And if you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate us wherever you listen to the podcast and come back and listen to the next episode. Squadcast is a Voice Squad limited production hosted by David John, devised by Neil Comrich. It's produced by Emma Samuel and also edited by Emma Samuel. If you've got any questions, please drop us an email at voices at voicesquad.com.